It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, and football is back in Baltimore. The Ravens kick off the 2022 season on Sunday, not at M&T Bank Stadium, but in beautiful MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, against the New York Jets. We have the Ravens beginning. We have the Orioles clinging on in the wild card race heading through the end of September. It is an exciting time for Baltimore sports. And, ah, guys, we're going to cover it all. We're going to cover it all. But there's no reason to dawdle here. Let's get right into it. Ravens, Jets, 1 p.m. Sunday. It's back. Sunday football. Ravens. Instant analysis. The ups and downs. The highs, the lows. Everything that goes into a city that expects to win a title every single year now with Lamar Jackson. Banks, this is your wheelhouse. This is your time. This is when you come into the fore of our minds these weeks of the year during football. How are you feeling heading into week one about the Ravens? Just the Ravens? I mean, I feel great about them. The I'm ready to just get this contract nonsense in the past. Yeah, it has to be talked about at some point. Yeah, it has to be addressed. It has to be fixed. Something's got to happen at some point. But I just want to get to Sunday at 1 p.m. It's all anybody wants. It's all about the football. Um, I think too much of the discussion about the Ravens is, is about that and not how good this team is. I mean, we have all the framework of a team that was a contender for two years in a row. Um, one of the years they were the best team in the league. Um, and I don't see much of a reason why they can't return to that form. I mean, Lamar Jackson won an MVP award, led the league in touchdown passes, and he gets no respect still. And they've gone out and yes, there's some, some losses in the receiving core in terms of trading Marquise Brown away. But um, that offense in 2019 was not predicated on wide receivers. We were back to, in my eyes, having, uh, you know, I'm probably counting my, the, my chickens before they're hatched with Isaiah likely, but I think that we have multiple tight ends that are going to do some damage um, and really open that offense up. And we've got guys back on the defensive side of the ball. We've got the secondary the way that it should be, the way that it was thriving when we um, had one of the best defenses in the league the last couple of years. Yeah, they fell back to 28th last year um, just because they had they were on their last legs. I mean, we had guys signed off the street that were starting games for us. It's a whole new year. I'm so excited to just get the bad taste out of our mouth. I think the Jets – Dolphins start to the season is just like a great way to wean our way in and, and kind of see what we're about. Um, start the thing off on the right foot. And then we kind of pick things up a little bit, closing out that AFC East stretch um, with a big game against Buffalo in week four. And I think by then we're going to know what this team's made of, especially as we get more and more guys back. So, I mean, I couldn't be more fired up. Like, I, I think there's so many people on the same page as me about just like, fuck all this contract stuff let's just watch football this team's a great team let's go see what they can do out there did you real quick did you see warren sharp's tweet tonight i didn't what's he got you, going now you guys are both like this he goes this was at eight sixteen tonight i don't think people are prepared for what the ravens offense will be able to do this year when isaiah likely is on the field i'm having 2019 flashbacks yeah, and, then some, I mean, and then someone goes, "Is do you think he's fantasy relevant? He goes, it's not his receiving that's exciting. It's the big increase in two tight end sets the Ravens will finally be able to use frequently again, and which Lamar dominated from in 2019. Last two years, they cut the two tight end rate in half, and they were very inefficient. So that's, I mean, it's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it for 
the last four weeks now in the preseason because the preseason has just sort of been a non-factor in terms of things happening because the Ravens have just sat so many guys. Obviously, the guy that we've talked about so much is Isaiah Likely because he's because of what he's been able to do as an individual. But I think what that speaks to is the Ravens' ability to get back to what they did bread and butter-wise in 2019. And I think that the Ravens had a little bit of an identity crisis based on maybe some public pressure, trying to make Lamar Jackson into a guy throwing to wide receivers on the outside. It doesn't matter how you get the yards. Just get them. And they got him in 2019, throwing a lot to the tight end in the middle of the field um, and being able to use that. And people can like Warren Sharp and all these guys can break that down and the tape better than I can. But the proof was in the pudding in terms of how the team moved. I think the other thing going into the, the week here is under the radar. And I think the Ravens have done a pretty good job keeping this under wraps. Like JK Dobbins seems like he's progressing to potentially play on Sunday. Like if they have him from the beginning of the season, I think this offense can really get off and running in a way that maybe you wouldn't expect based on the fact that they really haven't played at all in the preseason. So there's a thought that maybe, okay, are they going to get off on the wrong foot, get off slow uh, because there hasn't been a lot of established. But if you have that, you know, if you have a guy like Dobbins, like who's, who's been in this offense, I, I think they're going to get off to a great start. And Banks, what hasn't been talked about because the Lamar contract situation has dominated all conversation is the Ravens have a, this first two weeks is very favorable in terms of like working your way into a year. Uh, Look, we love Joe Flacco. He's never won a game as the starter with the jets. The organization, that organization is just down year after year. It's all right for the Ravens to be up 14, nothing in the first 10 minutes and for MetLife to just be a dead place, you know, and the Ravens just kind of roll. I think that's, I mean, that, that jets roster is improved. Joe Douglas, former Ravens front office, uh, staffer, they've they've done a good job in the draft. When you don't have your you know first round top flight quarterback in Zach Wilson, I, I just don't know what Joe Flacco is going to bring to the table at 36, 37 years old this weekend. That's going to give the Ravens a lot of trouble. Famous last words, maybe. Um, but th- this feels like a game that the Ravens will roll and to kind of build that momentum. Because once again, because Lamar, it's all about the Lamar contract. As it, from a performance perspective. The Ravens are very under the radar. Cincinnati being talked about, the you know Buffalo obviously being talked about, Kansas City. There, there's not a ton of Ravens discussion in that like AFC Championship game, Super Bowl type of vibe. And I think this is a potential statement game um, against a team that has had a lot of statements made against it <laughs> in New York. So um, I, I I'm very excited for Sunday. It's 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 always weird when you don't start it at home because you're just like waiting for the first Sunday and then you're just not at home. Um, but, I, but I'm excited for them to take the field, uh, Sunday at one. I think that, um, you know, some question marks, obviously Dobbins and, and Ronnie Stanley, there's, there's question marks there's two outside linebackers on the whole team. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. Yeah. I mean, why, why wouldn't you be, I do want to say just the Buffalo bill hype train is out of control. Just mm-hmm. the pe- amount of people picking them. Um, the amount of people, it seems like betting them, the odds are shortening. Um, there's, there's books that are saying they haven't seen a team this short in the Super Bowl odds preseason in years. And it's like, okay, the bills obviously have been building something very good for, for a handful of years. Now they've been progressing. They were right there with that crazy game last year and they came up short. Um, but like, and what, like, how do you just discount, like, say, the Chiefs for all that they've accomplished 
pretty consistently over the last handful of years. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to me that the bills, I'm getting off track here talking about the bills, but that, that just needs to be said. I think that that is just asinine how, how much they're getting all the hype in the world. And that's okay. That's okay with me. Um, I'm just, I still have this in my head that this team can be very much like the 2019 team with a little more experience. Um, obviously most of that coming from Lamar, but I mean, there's, there's some positions on this team that are better than that team. You know, uh, I think Mark Ingram like performed and racked up numbers, but I don't think that he was all that exceptional. That's why when you saw Gus Edwards come in, he racked up yards too, because he is good. But I think that J.K. Dobbins can bring something a little extra on the offensive side. Um, and then defensively, like, I'm so fired up to see what kind of second-year jump Odafe Owe can bring to the table. I mean, he posted that picture today of him not having a shoulder brace for this year. You forget that he kind of came in a little banged up last year, and he, he had injuries a little bit kind of nagging him throughout the year. But early on in the year, he was an animal. I mean, he was all around the football and made big plays, made a huge play against the Chiefs. That kind of proved to be the difference in that game. I think he can really go on a tear and really take that defense um, to another level where the secondary, yeah, a lot of the way that the, the defense was built um, before last year was that the secondary was so good that we could just send guys after the quarterback and play man and not get, you know, burnt too much. I think that there's going to be some dynamic um, pass rush when we're bringing only four or five guys, despite the shortage, like you said, in the amount of all, um, outside linebackers that we have. I just, there's some things that I could potentially see there's upside as you would compare those two rosters. And maybe that's optimistic thinking. It probably is. There's probably some stock to the idea that, you know, defenses have a little more of an idea of what they want to do against Lamar Jackson. But having the two tight ends, like we've said, up the middle, you force teams to re either respect the seams or they have to respect the outside. They give us the seams. Lamar will throw it up the seam to Andrews and likely all day. If they want to, you know, bog down the middle of the field, Lamar will, or Dobbins or whoever it is will just race you to the sideline and pick up eight every time with no contact. So it's a good, it's very much looking like it's, it's a pick your poison kind of situation. It's just, is the offensive line going to give you a chance to do all the things you want to do? And so that's why we're looking out for Ronnie Stanley, whether it be week one or, or whenever it is, which to your point, Taylor, it's great that he doesn't have to go out and play week one against a tough opponent. If he's going to play, he can wean himself in who knows, they might even, you know, give him every other series or something like that. You just don't know. Um, but we don't have to force him in. Um, you know, you try not to, you know, overlook opponents and kind of take that into consideration. But I think, this is very much a situation where it's reasonable to do so. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you about OA. I think that you look at the two first round picks here from, you know, a year ago in Rashad Bateman and, and OA, and those are guys that I think the Ravens to get where they want to go have to see leaps from. Right. And there was obviously really encouraging signs from both Bateman got off to a weird start with the injury. OA obviously is a raw player to a certain extent, but made plays throughout the year. I think those guys have the potential to, you know, obviously their first round picks, not saying anything, anybody doesn't know, but you know, now with Bateman being, you know, wide receiver, number one, OA on a, you know, a, a, a front seven that doesn't have a lot of pass rushing options. It'll be interesting to see if Eric DaCosta sort of 
surveys this for the first three or four weeks and then says, okay, I've got to go out and get somebody, whether that's like a Jason Pierre Paul on the street, or they make a trade like they did with Yannick Ngakwe a couple of years ago, where they're just like, oh, we have to go get an edge rusher. Um, I think always play will determine a lot of that. I think they need to get somebody anyway, but always play maybe will determine whether they try to get someone, you know, really pony up for somebody uh, or just get some depth um, as they head through the rest of the year. Um but Bateman, obviously, the the dot, you know, the, the the tight ends have dominated the preseason storylines. But you know, all all reports from practice, um, and Ken Lamar Jackson put him in positions to succeed. I, I, you know, I love that the Ravens are just giving this guy the keys to the car. Um, you know, didn't go out and and spend a lot on a wide receiver. You know, I've I've gone with a lot of internal options. Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, who are expected to step up and 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 play big roles, but. You know, if Rashad Bateman can be that really, really solid second option on the outside um, after Mark Andrews on the interior, as you said, does it become like a pick your poison situation in terms of how the Ravens um, move their offense forward? But those two first round picks, you know, you want to see that, you know, so obviously sometimes you have a, a Justin Jefferson um, or, or, or the, the type of impact um, guys have like that in, in year one. But Bateman and Oway have the potential to take that leap. And that can take the Ravens from a team that, you know, is a playoff team, maybe wins a division, gets to a divisional round to, you know, a, a contender to win the AFC. Um, those guys are so big in, in, in spots that the Ravens just don't have a lot of like proven depth, right? You know, it's Justin Houston in OA and on the receiver side, it's going to have to be Bateman. You know, you don't see a guy like Devin Duvernay or James Prochet as number one rise receivers. It has to be Rashad Bateman. You know, there's no Hollywood Brown that is, you know, one A and one B. Um, so those guys are just gigantic. Um, and I agree with you, Banks, about the offensive line. You know, questions there with Ronnie Stanley. You have Patrick McCarry to kind of jump around at different spots. Guard is still an issue. Um, you know, Ben Cleveland hasn't necessarily stepped up. Um, they cut Tyree Phillips. So that spot is still uh, an issue. You know, you have Tyler Linderbaum as a rookie center. That's, you know, there's questions there regardless of best center prospect to come through. That's a hard position to play as a rookie in the NFL. So, uh, that offensive line, as we saw last year, when, when Lamar Jackson gets pressured, you know, he can do the Houdini act, but in terms of being efficient as a passer, um, he struggles obviously there. So you, ha you have to have good offensive line, but this entire offensive work, the running game, everything, I know that's, that's, that goes without saying, but um, that position still has some question marks that if you're looking at like a doomsday scenario for the first three or four weeks, you know, Stanley doesn't play that much. The line struggles, thereby Lamar struggles and you kind of, you know, you don't get a lot of uh, rush off the edge. So no matter how many pro bowlers you have in the secondary guy, you know, there's, there's still um, some issues there because you can't get any pressure. Um, that I think is, you know, as we, you know, obviously excited, but if you're looking towards like potential negatives, if those things swing against the Ravens, that is like a, you're one and one coming out of this two game stretch. You're like, wait, what is going on? Um, I feel like those are kind of the pain points um, that we could potentially see. What do you, RDT, you're an opposing fan. You have no dog in this fight. When you look at it from a Tennessee perspective, what scares you about the Ravens and what's like, oh, we, we can beat this team if we see them later? I mean, what scares me is obviously number eight. Like, we, again, like you said, I mean, we've seen him just single handedly put the team on his back and win with no offensive line, really no, no receivers. And, you know, a beat up run game at times. Um, that's the scary part. Again, it's like if he's healthy, he, he'll win. He'll straight up win you a game. Like just as simple as that. He will straight up win you a game. Um, but then on the, you know, the flip side is 
again, I mean, we saw it a little bit in the, in the, the playoff game in 2019, where if the line, if the line isn't there, they're going to get hits on him. He's going to get hit. He's going to get stopped. Um, so like we said, I mean, that was the whole thing last year. Villanueva was a, a literal turnstile back there. Um, and, you know, without Stanley and, and, you know, with all the other pieces they were missing, guys got to Lamar. And then, again, he ended up getting hurt, which is not the offensive line's fault when he was rolling out. But that's the big thing to me, too, is, is the offensive line has to step up because, again, it all starts there. If you're not blocking, you know, the run game doesn't go. If the run game doesn't go, the play-action game's not going to go. And you just can't establish that downfield passing. Um, I, again, I, Lamar still scares the hell out of me. The offensive line is kind of, like we said, it's still a question mark. Until Ronnie Stanley is out there playing every day, it's like, all right, well, you know, practicing every day. I know, was that today the first day he practiced or yesterday? I can't remember when I saw the 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 videos of it. Um, I think it was yesterday. Was it yesterday? He did some individuals, and so he's, he's kind of working his way in. But either way, he's out there now. Yeah, which, again, is good. I, I mean, but and obviously – People think just because he's practicing today, that means he's playing Sunday. I don't think that's the case at all. Like, mm-hmm. no, I, I think it's just him <clears throat> kind of getting his feet back under him. Um, and then, I mean, the wide receiver game, the, the the that whole core, like you said, outside of Bateman, Mark Andrews is obviously arguably tight end, you know, one, the best tight end in football. But, but the whole wide receiver core as a whole does not, I don't think, scares anyone. And that's obviously been uh, – I mean, that's been a talking point for years and years and years around Baltimore. Um, so those are just kind of some of the things that jump off the page of me. Um, thanks. Like you said, the secondary too, like being healthy, not pulling guys off the street to play against, you know, the Bengals in a late season game like they did last year. Um, if those guys stay healthy, I mean, they the, the names are the names are there on paper. You know, it's a hell of a team on Madden. You just got to keep them healthy in, in, in real life and, and see what they can do, because I think they can be really, really dangerous if if, you know, they do stay healthy. And Marcus Williams is one of the best safeties in football. He's an no one talked he's about not, him this whole offseason. He's not a get back guy that we're just getting back from those former teams. He's an addition. He's making mm-hmm. them even better. And then you had Kyle Hamilton was, you know, regarded by some to be the most talented guy in the draft class. It's crazy. And he can have all the time in the world to kind of work his way in and get his feet wet because Chuck Clark is, you know, he's been a leader and a guy who knows his way around the football field and, Williams is there. It's just like, it's an embarrassment of riches back there. Yeah. Again, it's, it's like, that's the team. You, you look at those names on paper and you're like, this is an insanely stacked, you know, defensive backfield. And, and again, obviously Marlon coming back is huge. And I mean, just the weapons they have back there. It's terrifying. It's, it's also a matter like you look around at, at all the big dogs in the AFC and particularly the division AFC North, the Bengals receiving core is legit as legit a core as there is in the league. And they've kind of built, built a defensive backfield that kind of matches that very well. It's, you know, I'm curious to see how from a corner perspective behind Marcus Peters and Martin Marlon Humphrey, how we kind of handle that. But um, I mean, there's just, we have so many dudes back there in the secondary where we can go toe for toe with them. Whereas like, I mean, Josh Johnson played as good a game as you could ask for last year. And they got smoked because the secondary, the defense just couldn't stop anything. Mm-hmm. That they were just, there's just nobody, no guys. They had nobody back there to stop. Yeah. Them. But so it's going to be exciting not to give up 450 yards through the air again. I mean, that was just, I mean, granted Jamar chase depressing. 
owns Marlon Humphrey in the in the first game, but first game, yeah. he'll be hungry to come back, and and we'll have different ways to go about that. So, well, I mean, that's I'm excited as hell to see that one when that time comes, and we'll be Tyler good and healthy by go, then, ideally. Tyler Huntley trying to go toe to toe with opposing quarterbacks that just have the license to just throw all over the field was. Some of the cornerback names we'll always remember from last Aaron, Aaron Rodgers throwing a touchdown against like a guy wearing number 48 or whatever. It, like it's like a fucking crazy how we've stayed in so many of those games last year. It's yeah. crazy that we went to like there was a point in, during in week 18 where it was like if we win this game with the Colts losing, like just absolutely blowing that game of the Jags, there was a moment there was like, holy fuck, is this joke of a team right now? No disrespect to our Ravens. Is this joke, the shell of a team right now, really going to make the playoffs? Like, we, we, John Harbaugh got those guys to that point. It's, it's honestly crazy. And just like we've been talking about it for what, 20 minutes now, we've got so many guys back. And I'm so excited to see the way this team bounces back. Yeah. I think the other two interesting pieces coming out of the preseason for me, and then we can talk some game predictions and season predictions. Uh, there's still questions at running back. You know, I'm positive about the J.K. Dobbins progress, but they could easily come out on Friday and say he's not going to play on Sunday. And at that point, you're relying on, you know, guys like Kenyon Drake and Mike Davis. And yes, those guys have had some production in the NFL, but it's not, you know, I don't think that's as bad as like, the Le'Veon Bell situation last year, you know, Mike mm-hmm. Davis has like had production. He's, I think he's, as I said, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, he's a guy that's been on everyone's fantasy team when Christian McCaffrey got hurt or whatever. Um, so I think he's a guy that those are guys that can do some things, but not having JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards is still a pain point. You know, the Ravens are going to run the football and they're going to be successful with whoever's back there, but maybe not as successful. Right. And that can be the difference in a win or a loss. The other thing is the Ravens have come out of training camp, unbelievably healthy in a total flip from last year. Like Vince Beagle got hurt and was probably going to make the team, but essentially every other injury is coming off of last year. Like nothing happened over the last month that really put, you know, a ton of stress in the Ravens and they clearly, um, and we've read about this. I, this has been reported on all training camp. They clearly changed how they worked guys back into camp and did things a little less strenuously and shortened practices. And so we'll see if that results in lack of sharpness or if they just went through and did an incredible plan that kept guys healthy and has them fresher for the season. I think you have to applaud the Ravens for clearly identifying a spot that they were deficient in guys getting injured and solved it at least through the month of training camp. Now, once you start playing games, it is what it is. Guys are going to get hurt. That's that's football. That's the NFL cliche, but they did a good job getting through camp without having, you know, seemingly every three days, somebody get hurt in devastating fashion. Um, And, you know, with that said, the Ravens are going to be a much different team in week seven or eight, potentially than they are in week one. J.K. Dobbins back to full health, hopefully Ronnie Stanley, Tyus Bowser, you know, David Ajabo, blah, 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 blah. Like there's guys that are maybe going to make this team much different. And that's why I love this little soft beginning of the schedule in these two games. And if the Ravens can figure out a way to get towards that midseason in a good spot, there's some reinforcements potentially on the way or reinforcements in the sense that guys are going to kind of work their way like a Dobbins or a Stanley into the season and then kind of be at their full health at that point. So that's also uh, health wise. The Ravens are in a much better spot coming off of camp 
than they were at this point last year, where it just felt like a catastrophe coming out of camp from a, from an injury perspective. We have to touch on it very quickly. I guess Lamar Jackson has put Friday as a deadline for his contract negotiations. I don't even think there's need for you guys to even speak on this. I'll just close it out. There's just no way he's signing a contract by Friday. That's what we've been saying for weeks. It's not happening. He's going to play the season without an extension. So there it is. We've been there under that impression for weeks and it's over. Uh, predictions for this game, gentlemen. RDT, what do you got? Start us off. I think I guess this score like every game last year. I, I'm going to say 31-13 Ravens. I don't I don't think it's necessarily close, you know, nor should it be. Um Yeah, I I think I think the offense rolls. Um again, it is the Jets and no offense to to Flacco or anyone like that, but I, I mean obviously I don't think they have the firepower really to They got some nice weapons, but I don't, you know, Corey Davis I don't think is going to do much. Um I just don't think Joe is going to – I don't think Joe has the bullets left in the chamber to, to go toe-to-toe with Lamar. Thanks. I've got 38-17. And just I some will, of the things that Eric said are just on point. Yeah, they're, they're just in a different class as them. So there might be some – I mean, it's the 17 points is that is, is where I'm feeling a little generous of the Jets putting that up against us. No, obviously no disrespect to Joe. Um, I, I just don't see this game being close. 35-10, all the reasons you guys said. I think it's going to be a pretty routine win for the Ravens. I think they could start a little slow mm-hmm. in the first quarter. I, I, just, I just can't imagine it's going to be the cleanest first quarter, but I think they'll work themselves into the game and eventually pull away. Like I kind of think the opposite. I think they're going to come out of game. I think they're going. To, okay. Yeah. I go. Well, we we will relitigate this after the game on Sunday. I was going to say I could I could see them being down at the end of the first, like seven to three or seven to six, and people are like, and "It's well, like here we go again." He's like twenty four three at the half. I think is is yeah. kind of what I'm envisioning. It's fair. Uh, season prediction. Uh, regular season record. Well, wait. Who are you going to do announcers for the game? I was going to get there after. We just oh, okay. Finished. I thought, I thought I have, you were going to do that. Oh, no, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, okay. we, we've talked about this already, I think, but uh, we're obviously going to talk about it. We talked about it like two months ago, I think. Yeah. Well, no, they announced it two weeks like CBS, ago. Just, yeah. they, CBS announced it three weeks ago. The Ravens are going 12 and five this season. It's, I think it's going to come down to a tiebreaker for the division. So beat the Bengals. RDT? I was going to say 12 and five, but I'll, I'll say 11 and six. Just to, I think, I think they're going to go 13 and four. I think the Ravens are going to have an awesome year, but I'm just a positive guy too. So not, and not the 12, 13 and four is much better than 12. I'm not willing better. to commit to anything beyond the AFC championship game. <laughs> I'm already putting them in there. I'm not committing to anything beyond that. Agreed. Um, announcers. Oh, my favorite time of the week. Do you guys remember who they are? I don't think you're going to remember. I don't. This was um, – It's a classic oh, no. Jets team, oh. by the way, in terms of announcers. This is a guy, these are guys that call the Jets a lot, in my opinion. I feel like Solomon Wilcots. I don't know if he stole those games. Solomon Wilcots is like, no longer doing games for CBS. <laughs> for some reason, he makes the most sense. He just absolutely seems like a guy who would do the Jets games. Um, this is – I mean, I'm blanking on his name, but I know exactly. This is uh, Catalan. Catalan. It's Andrew Catalan, James Lofton, Lofton. and Michael Gray. Yeah. Yep. Andrew Catalan, who's getting groomed to be the successor to Nancy in the golf coverage, by the way, for sure. Um, you think so? 
I do think so. I think that, I mean, he's the backup host right now on CBS when, when Nats off and they put him on a hole at the masters. I think he's going to be the guy when, when, um, and there just, it doesn't also seem to be anybody else that does stuff for CBS that is, uh, is getting groomed there. Now Nance is going to be on golf, I think for at least another decade. So we got a lot of time, but, um, Yep, Andrew Catalan, James Loft, and I and Eagle, Charles Davis, Evan Washburn get the Steelers and the Bengals, and Jim Nance, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wolfson are doing the Cardinals and the Chiefs. If you guys want to know where the top two teams are this week. Steelers and Honestly, CBS's CBS's slate in the afternoon, Raiders, Chargers, and KC Cardinals on the same channel. Those are both good games. Those are really good. Those are good games. Yeah. Um, they have Kevin Harlan on the the Raiders Chargers game. Their one o'clock slate is we have the Browns and the Panthers, the Ravens and the Jets, Houston and the Colts, the Patriots and the Dolphins, and the Steelers and the Bengals. It's a tough one o'clock slate for CBS. Ooh. Not very good. Um, so week one of the NFL. Excited. I mean, it's start. I mean, we're potting here on Wednesday night. It's. I mean, we're gonna have be in the third quarter of this Thursday game right now tomorrow. Just, just crazy that it's already back. It just sneaks up on me after college football starts every single time. The Baltimore Orioles. This was the biggest series of the year, gentlemen. I think there's no doubt about that. And the Orioles didn't pass the test. They lost three out of four. Um, and honestly, in three of those four games, RDT, I know you're watching them these more close than I was. Not like, not that they were uncompetitive, but kind of like, I don't even know what the word to use is. It's just like they weren't, they just weren't like knock down, drag them out games. It just felt like they kind of went with a little bit of a whimper, which feels super harsh for me to say. Mm -hmm. Um, But at home against the team you're chasing, I mean, this is the team you're chasing. You can't lose three out of four on September 7th. I mean, this was just not, not the result, unfortunately, that the the young Orioles uh, could afford to have still obviously in the race, still more games against the blue Jays to come to pull some of that back, but a disappointing couple of days. Yeah, definitely, definitely disappointed again. I mean, they had a real chance to grab, you know, grab a wild card spot. It was right there. Um, obviously, the doubleheader on Monday um, with Lyles getting scratched like minutes before a start kind of threw everything up in the air. Um, so that that really sucked. And then again, it felt like once they got behind, I, I, I also saw that the team that scored first in every game lost um, lost the game. So the Orioles, you know, they scored. They scored first, I think, in tonight, Monday in the first game, and I think Tuesday night to, or the second game of the doubleheader. Um, they just couldn't. The, the offense was just not there. Um, obviously, they had a great game on what is that? I guess Tuesday night with the little the the benches clearing and stuff like that, and guys guys jawing after with Brian Baker and all that. But I, I like you said, they did not pass the test. The, the Blue Jays are a better team. Um, they're not four and a half back, which it's not the end of the world, but again, they, they had a real chance to kind of grab a hold of that lead and, and say like, Hey guys, look, we're, we're not here to fuck around. Um, instead they lost three out of four and, and it is tough. Like I said, once your pitcher, your, your veteran pitcher goes, um, gets scratched minutes before the game, but that's baseball. I can't really do anything about that. Um, they did get Tyler Wells back tonight who threw, I think two innings. Um, it was, it was a weird kind of situation where they had him start and then they brought in, um, and then they brought in uh, Dean Kramer, who was scheduled to start, and he went like six. He looked really good. He had one bad inning, but yeah, a disappointing series. I mean, they they came out very very flat. They were very close to getting. I mean, that game last night was well on its way to them 
you know, losing six, one, seven, one again, but, but the offense kind of picked it up a notch. Um, yeah. It, it just, again, disappointing. Now, now again, they still face them. I think six times you got the Red Sox next followed by the, the nationals. These are games you got to win. They took two out of three against Oakland that easily could have been three out of three. Um, these are just games they have to win now. They absolutely have to. And, and with, I think the blue Jays go to play Texas. So again, they're not a great team there. Um, just got to win your games. And then you just got to scoreboard watch and hope others, uh, hope others, you know, just start losing, but it does seem like they're kind of getting healthier. They're going to get, you know, they got Tyler Wells back. Grayson is going to make another start in the minors on Sunday, I believe. Um, and yeah, hopefully, you know, they can just get some more guys back and try and claw out some of these wins because they need everyone. I think they're 74 and six, 72 and 65 now. So again, they're, they're seven games up. They're playing well, but they're, they're not playing, not playing well this last couple, uh, couple of days. So they just need to be better. Four and a half games now out of the wild card. I mean, not insurmountable, but. As you said, we and we touched on it a little bit last week. None of these teams above them are giving anything away. All mm. three of the Blue Jays, Mariners, and Rays are eight and two in their last ten. The Orioles are five and five. Five hundred baseball, not the worst thing in the world, especially not after you've watched the Orioles for the past four or five seasons. But those teams are taking the bull by the horns, and the Orioles right now are not. There still is time to, like we said, you could rip off ten in a row right now and get right back into it and and be there and, and, and beat some of the teams in front of you. But, you know, if those teams aren't going to come back to the pack and do, you know, what the Yankees are doing where you're losing, you know, 19, you know, you're 19 and 33 or whatever in your past however many games, you're going to have to go out and beat those teams when you have the opportunity to. And that's the most disappointing part about it is you bring the team in front of you into your ballpark um, and you can't at least get a split and hold serve and kind of move from there um, to leave, you know, to walk out of the clubhouse. I'm sure those guys are disappointed being down, you know, one more game than they were before um, with, with the Blue Jays kind of coming in and, and doing that. And so, you know, time's still there. And they have, as I said, they have games against the Blue Jays. I just said the offense, which, you know, since right that, now that stinks. And since that explosion a couple of weeks ago, um, what would they put up against the red 15 runs or whatever it was or 16. Yeah. Just and then even Saturday feels, night this year. Yeah. This week. Yeah. Yeah. They've they just too much inconsistency and you just, we're never going to be able to rely on this, you know, pitching staff that has, as we've said all year has just played so, you know, has really been more than the sum of its parts. And those guys, you know, a ton of credit to those guys, but the offense had to, you know, has to figure it out at a certain point here to, to kind of, lift them towards an actual wild card slot. And like I said, man, I mean, also, to, you know, Seattle's a team that went out and just like went for it at the deadline. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, these teams went out and tried to make the playoffs and not saying that the Orioles would be any better with, I think the Jorge Lopez, Trey Mancini, they've, they've done so much to eradicate the concern that those guys would have made a difference, but it's not like they went out and like got anybody to make the team better. So you know, those teams did and they're being rewarded for it. And the Orioles have played great baseball. And the Orioles have a chance to finish with, mid eighties and wins and be a really great story. Brandon Hyde's probably going to be the manager of the year, unless they lose, you know, 15 in a row at the end of the year. But, um, and the hype for next year will be great, but you get that little taste of a playoff push 
And when, you know, this is just life back in a playoff push where, you know, it doesn't go your way. It's super disappointing. Um, no matter how this ends, though, it's just exciting to for these games to mean something every single night at this point of the season. That has been very fun. Whether those emotions are bad or they're good. So. Yeah, it's just uh, the thing that's disappointing is that the, there was just this feather in the cap and it's still there. It's not a feather in the cap, but this thing that was in the back of our minds as this September is starting to, you know, approach and all that was we have all of these games against the Blue Jays. It was like we have a big opportunity to go and do something with that. And, I, you know, most of those games were at home. They've just kind of taken that away from us. It's kind of like going down 2-0 in a series and having to go on the road. It's they've built themselves a little bit of a hole here. Of course, all those things that you said, like at the end of the day, like this is such a house money type of season for them. Um, we're not going to go boohoo if they don't make the playoffs here. I don't even think we're going to go boohoo if they finish 82 and 80. We're going to be over the moon about it. Um, but it's still disappointing just because we got this far with it. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back and try to build, you know, build back some ground before they see those Blue Jays again and try to capitalize in Toronto before, or at least just, I think it'd be a huge win if they could just get to that final series against the Blue Jays with a chance, you know, just oh, at yeah, least should sure. be like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be a huge, huge thing for them to kind of hang their hat on whether, you know, that series goes well for them or not. I feel like that almost creates a playoff scenario of source for them where it's like, that's almost playoff experience in itself, just kind of getting to that point. Um, so, yeah. No, and, and you're right. I mean, and I'm sure that's what Hyde is basically saying. Like every game is basically a playoff game now. You know, you're in that mode where it's like, hey, you 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 got to win every game. I know that's that's a stupid cliche, but you know that's what Hyde's probably telling these guys. Um, and yeah, if if they could get it to that last series and you know stick, if they're within like you said three and a half, four and a half games or whatever. Um, just with a chance to, to, to do it like a win in your end type deal. I mean, that would, that would be unbelievable. And yeah, I don't think anyone is, is going to be upset at this year. Um, because again, I mean, I, I was telling someone the other day, they're, they're Vegas had them at what? 62 and a half. They're going to win 25 more games than that. Like that. You cannot be, you can't be upset at that. You absolutely cannot. And, and Taylor, you said it like the buzz for opening day next year is, is going to be, insane like it's our i mean it's i'm already means. excited about it like John I, yeah. Means coming back racing i thought about back. i Deal thought about starter. it last week um and i was like god i kind of can't wait for opening day next year already mm -hmm. like i know that the orioles have i think it was during the gunner henderson like as the gunner henderson debut was going so well i was like this guy's gonna be the starting lineup badly you're gonna have grayson you're gonna have john means you're gonna have all of these and mike elias Said he was going to spend money. It. So, so now, I mean, I, it's very exciting. I mean, the, the Orioles, when was the last time the Orioles went into an off season? You guys are going to remember this better than I am, where there was an expectation that they were going to spend money to improve a team, uh, to improve an, an ascending team. Did, I don't even know if that happened in the, the couple of playoffs. It was all runs. about mm -hmm. retaining guys. As yeah. it, might be, it might be 25 years since that's happened. Like, in the 90s, in 96, 97, when they were bringing, like, Albert, Be Al like, when they're doing Al stuff Amar like that. Like yeah. That, yeah. Like, this, they this were doing like, that when they won the division. I mean, those were nice stories and, you know, whatever. They had but their they core. Like, 
They had that they had core their core there. They, they, they were, like they were going they out and, and maybe they won't do that. Maybe that's a little bit of smoke and they're going to go, you know, be thrifty with the money. But that's not what Mike Elias made it sound like at the trade deadline. He was like, just wait, we're going to go out. I'm excited to go sign major league yeah. baseball players this year. Like that's exce- the Orioles involved in the hot stove. I mean, the Orioles haven't been I mean, the hot stove is freaking cold right now. The hot stove is not yeah. what it used to be. But I mean, that is just so exciting to put guys around these prospects. And I, I just think it's, I mean, the Orioles offseason is going to be fun. Like we've had no fun talking about the Orioles offseason since we've had this. It's been about like when prospects lockouts and, and lockouts and whatever, this is going to be, I think it's going to be very fun. If Michael Elias does what he says he's going to do. I'm so interested to see even like where the areas to attack are in the offseason because mm-hmm. the rotation is like the picture is being painted for the short and long term on what that rotation is going to look like. You got, you got John Means, you got Grayson, you got Deal Hall potentially being a starter. And then you've got, you know, these other guys that have, you know, kind of earned their keep this year to at least battle for those fourth and fifth positions. You know, you can order them however you want. And then, You've got all these pieces, including like a surplus in the outfield um, and all and more guys coming where it's like, where do they even really try to supplement the roster? It's going to be a fascinating conversation. I, you know, now maybe it might not be the time for that conversation, but like it's coming like <laughs> they're going to be good. But it, like, where do they kind of fill in the edges? And, and I mean, obviously, like, you know, Elias's thing in Houston was trade prospects for a veteran starter, like a Verlander, like a Zach Grinke, like a Garrett Cole. Like, I, I mean, on the market, didn't he? I think so. And like, I mean, I, I 100% think like that, that they can, like, there's a good chance. I don't think we ever see Jordan Westberg or Kobe Mayo or, um, um, Joey Ortiz, guys like that in, in an Orioles uniform, just because they may be in a package going for, Shane Bieber or someone like that, which, you know, again, the, Elias loves going out to get those established starters. But like you mentioned, you listed great, you know, Grayson means DL Dean, Dean Kramer has pitched awesome since he came back. Dean Kramer, I mean, he's been great. Kyle Bradish has been very, very good. Like, like you said, that's five right there. There's a, I mean, like you mentioned it, where are they going to put these people? Where, where are they going to attack? Um, so I, I'm very interested in that too. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a very, very, very interesting. And I think fun off season. Um, and well, obviously I'm, I'm not well, looking forward to the off season because I don't want this season. Yeah. I want to keep you know, playing. But... That's what I was going to say. We want to keep playing. Yeah. But I think I have a smile on my face thinking about the Orioles off season and that's mm-hmm. a position we haven't been in a while. And that's an exciting prospect, but we are going to have obviously a ton of time to talk about that as well. But it was, well, there's our, there's a preview of our Orioles off season discussion yeah. right there. If for the last, if, six if minutes. they can like kind of, continue to fizzle out here and they kind of just fall out of it and they kind of go through the motions and finish six, seven games out. At the very least, they stayed extremely interesting and exciting and got us to football season. So, which by, I, I, I revisit the beginning of the season. I think all of us agreed that if the team just stayed interesting for a long period of time, that is all we wanted. That is exactly what we've gotten. That is and, all we asked more. For. And more, so and much more. More. I would agree so much more, but I'm just saying like, that was how low the bar was. And they have stayed so much more interesting than I even thought. I thought they were going to stay interesting because guys were going to come up. We we're going to see good individual performances, but not going to see a lot of wins. And they currently have 70 plus wins. Very. I mean, it's just been a very, very fun year. Um, good. There was also, was the there was also a point. There was a point in the off season and the beginning of the regular season. The whole story was about the wall. 
That's all anyone talked about was like, what's the wall going to do? What's the wall going to do? And now wall still stinks, but well, hey, it's it's yeah. working, though. The wall works, baby. I'm telling you. It's, it's but, but, like, but again, that's that's the thing. Like we the series going into the season, it was all about like when's Adley coming up? When's Grayson's coming up? Oh, and look at that wall out there. And now it's like, all right, Grayson's knocking on the door. Adley is a bona fide star, if not the best catcher in baseball right now. And, you know, every all their prospects have come up and, and pretty much perform. So it's like, like we said, this this season has been everything we wanted and so, 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 so much more. So it's 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 just been nothing but fun. And again, like I'm not saying this like we're putting them to bed or anything like that. I, I think they could still go on these runs because every time I kind of think like, man, you know what? I think this is where they fall back and kind of get their teeth knocked in. They reel off six out of eight, you know, seven out of ten, something like that. So I think it's still time for them to do that. And how fun was the Gunnar Henderson home oh. run? I mean, th- that was, that was unbelievable. That was, that was so much fun. Cause again, it's like, you see, I, like you saw that guy who was at Beatty earlier this year with the Mets. And I'm like, man, like that would be cool. If, you know, if we could have a guy like that did that first, you know, first game, second at bat just comes up and fucking smokes it with his helmet falling off. Um, yeah. And again, he looks like the real deal too. He, he had some bad plays at second the other night, but he's, he's going to be, he's going to be a bona fide stud. Um, and I, I know he said this in a video, but I talked to Ryan Ripkin about Gunner. Gunner said that he thinks he has a higher offensive upside than Adley. And he was like, I, I, he's like, I, I know I'll get dragged for that, but he, he hundred percent means it. He said that, and he played with both of these guys. He said he reminds him of Juan Soto when Juan was in the minors, his ability to go to the opposite field, his ability to like, uh, you know, read, read pitches around the zone. He said, it's unbelievable. He's never seen someone like Gunner. He's only seen one other person like Gunner, and it's Juan Soto. So that's a decent, you know, that seems like a decent comparison there. If uh, if you're uh, going to compare him to someone, so I'm very hasn't excited looked, for him. Hasn't looked overwhelmed at all at this level. I mean, he had tonight where he didn't have a hit. He went 0 for 4 on Sunday against Oakland. He's had a hit in every other game of his major league career. Mm-hmm. When does the Great, Baltimore media doubles. start talking about Gunner Henderson's extension? I think right after they they get the one done with Adley. Like, <laughs> well, that's the thing that the Orioles are now. I'm now interested. We've now gone to full offseason discussion, but <laughs> how Mike Elias handles this sort of new age idea of just locking up these top level prospects for nine years this early and not having to deal with it. I'll be interested to see what his philosophy is there. If the Orioles want to, you know, do that stuff long term with guys like Adley and, and Gunner. Yeah, because I mean, it's, hap- it's happening around the do league. Do not want to get into the situation. You don't want to get into the Juan Soto situation. That is the situation mm-hmm. you do not want to be in. So we'll see what he decides to do. Starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill um, this week. Get your sunglasses from Fed Thrill. Use the promo code EXIT52 to get 20% off. It continues. It's getting a little cooler, but continues to be hot. So sunglasses, you know, when you go out and you're this Sunday, the Ravens game, getting ready to go, throw your sunglasses on. Uh, Raven Styles, obviously, from uh, from from Fed Thrill, some purple. So, get that stuff for your tailgates as you go through tailgates and upper deck if you're in the perch. Um, especially for those uh, late season one o'clock games where the sun's kind of low in the sky come fourth quarter or even early in the season. If there's you know those four o'clock games, do we have any four o'clock games? Do we have any? We don't have any on the schedule. As of yet, obviously those can be flexed, but no, no four o'clock games. So disregard that sentiment, but one o'clock game 
Uh, uh, we'll get, I mean, they'll get, they're going to get flexed at four o'clock. And they're going to get some flexes in there. Yeah, for sure. There's some TBDs hanging out there. So yeah, but yeah, upper deck. I mean, that's where my season tickets are. The perch uh, up there with the common folk and uh, fit thrills, a great sunglass for the, uh, the common man. So boom, well said. boom, tag on. We were chatting in our group chat this week about how bad Mr. Flacco looks in number 19. RDT, you are very passionate about this. Um, you have been knocking back the haters that talked about Johnny Unitas wearing 19 as a quarterback. You hate the way 19 looks on a football player. Um, but previous to that, Joe Flacco wore number five. Um, Brooks Robinson wore number five um, to prominent Baltimore athletes. So we're going to draft. Uh, our favorite number fives in sports history. Um, number wise, Banks, you have the first pick. Uh, RDT, you have the second pick. I have the third pick. I am a Mason. Um, so start us off. Maybe you have a Mason you can pick. Maybe there's a Mason somewhere on this. On this. Uh... No, I'm just gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take good old Joe Flacky. I'm gonna take him. Um, I. I mean, I don't know that we really talked about that entire thing in this podcast, not just him coming. Well, he's not coming back to Baltimore, but him playing against the Ravens. It's surreal. I just yeah, didn't think I it think was going to happen. I, I think it's like, he's not, it's not back here. So it just doesn't feel like it will be a storyline, but he's just not walking into the bank. It just doesn't feel as big to me, but that's just, that's just me. Yeah. I'm with you. Like when we traded him, we knew he was going to the Broncos and the Broncos, um, we, we weren't on their 2019 schedule. The writing was on the wall with Drew Locke. Um, having been drafted that same year that Flacco was really not going to be the starter there beyond a year at the most. So the thought was, okay, he might be with the Broncos and then who knows what happens after that? Probably not much of anything unless he plays really well in Denver, which he didn't because Vic Fangio was a fucking moron with how he used him. Um, but anyways, uh, the way that he's just kind of battled and, and he kind of hung in there, you know, with the Jets in 2020, and then he signed with the Eagles and played well in preseason, and then there was buzz in preseason in Philly last year. Like, ooh, is Jalen Hurts, like, is he really ready to be a full-time starter? Is Joe Flacco? Because Flacco was out playing him in the preseason. Um, and sure enough, he got traded back to the Jets midseason. Um, it just didn't really seem like it was ever going to happen where Flacco was going to be a starter, and it was going to happen at the same time where they could cross paths here with the Ravens. Um and it has. And it's just it's just a weird thought because every time we've seen Flacco get into games, you know, he got in and started a handful of games for the Jets last year. It was like a treat. It was like having a second football team that you could tune in and and watch. I remember get, being all fired up for his first game as a Bronco. Um, and now it's like. He's the enemy. I mean, we just got he we have to go through the guy and it's a shame. Um, you know, I've written a lot about Joe Flacco and what he means to Baltimore on the old barstoolsports.com. And um, man, I love that guy for everything. Yeah. Just the Super Bowl run stands on its own. Um, it's what everybody's going to remember and rightfully so, but there may be some fans that are not old enough to remember the Ravens were like one of the, the like big time franchises, like one of the poster boys of like quarterback purgatory. And there's so many teams that live in this perpetual quarterback purgatory in the league, and it's the worst place to be. And we were in that for a long time, pretty much our entire existence. We had Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Haloti Nata, Terrell Sucks, all these guys and duds at quarterback. Even when we brought in Steve McNair, like 
we just fell on our face the one year within the playoffs, and we, that was our closest shot we ever had. But we never had a franchise quarterback. Joe Flacco came along and was that guy. He got us into the playoffs first five years. He won a playoff game each of those first five years. Most road playoff wins in NFL history. Um, he just made – I mean, he got us a Super Bowl ring with a team that should have had multiple. Um, so just for the sake of, like, him being – a quarterback that elevated our team and kind of brought us into this kind of newer era of football where quarterback is especially important. Um, I'll always be thankful for Joe Flacco for that. So I'm taking him first overall. Has to be the pick. Yep. I don't think that it has to be, but that's my it does, pick. For you, it's going to be for you, for you. Yeah, for you. Yeah. yeah. Just would have been stunned had you let him get away. That's your guy. Yeah. Love you, Joe. Right. Me, I'm going Brooksy. Yep. Good old, sure. Good old Brooks. Um, like you said, it kind of ties in because they're celebrating the 45th anniversary of him retiring. Uh, later this month, they're going to drive him around the field in the car like they did and on the uh, warning track like they did in the, at Old Memorial Stadium. Um, and that picture of him and his, I think it was only like 18 gold gloves but I think he won like 20, but they only had like 18 of them or something like that picture is like one of my all time favorite baseball pictures, him surrounded by all of them. Um, just legitimately the best defensive third baseman of all time. Just an absolute monster. He was, he was the plays he made in that world series against the reds. Like just everything about him was, was the best. I, apparently he's the nicest person in the world too. I've never met him. I was in a room with him at an event and I chickened out and I never met him, but I've heard nothing oh, but good things about him. I've also heard the same thing. Like that he's like really, the nicest guy of all time. Like if you see him at the grocery store, he'll he'll sign anything you want. Like just, you know, I had a buddy who worked for a radio station and he was telling me the other day that he actually called he, he called Brooks's landline to get him on the show and he was like Brooks and I just like shot this shit for like 15 minutes on the phone. And I was like that's just got to be the coolest thing in the world. So I think I think he has to be he he's my number 1. Thought that was a that was a pretty easy one. Good old Brooks Robinson. Legend. I mean bona fide legend. It's also he seems like he he and Jim Palmer. There's like generations of the elder statements, and it's elder statements of elder statesmen. I can't talk. Brooks Robinson, and then it's Palmer, and then Ripken. You kind of Eddie Mur like there is sort of these mm-hmm. and Brooks Robinson is like the godfather of that right now. It's like Brooks and like Boog is in that one. Yeah, with, yep, with yep. he's kind of he's I don't think he's at either of their levels like Palmer or um or or um Brooks but I think he's definitely somewhere in the mix there but yeah that's 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 very true. Um I am going to so I have two here. I'm going to start with Albert Pujols. Mm-hmm. Um I just think that Albert Pujols is maybe the most universally liked baseball player of people that aren't fans of him. Um Chris Clemmer would care to disagree. No. I like him. I I think I think Ichiro. Who's who's Clemmer? Good question. It's a great question, actually. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> that guy's the not right question. <laughs> guy's not. A, guy's not an opinion maker. Um, uh, top blog on Barstool Sports last last week. Most oh, page wow. views. Wow. I want so. that to be banks already too. Um, <laughs> I uh, I just think our pool system was just fun to watch it for twenty years. Still I, is. What do you mean? Still is. Was. It's still fun. Yeah, it still is fun. To, Albert Pulse is fun to watch at baseballs. He just, just is just natural. 
the the uh, home run derby this year was fun. How much respect the other guys had for him was very eye opening and not shocking, but very cool to see displayed in that way. And um, I'm a big Albert Pujols guy, so shout out to him. And then going a completely different direction with my fourth pick or with my second, my second pick, the fourth pick, I'm taking DJ Strawberry. I have to have him on my team. God. Oh my I, God. I, I, I have to have him. So I'm taking DJ Strawberry. Love DJ Strawberry. Absolutely love them. Guy played his ass off of the Terps. I got to get a Terp. He's the, he's my favorite number five. Yeah. Of all the Terps. So. Go ahead. Right. I didn't, I didn't think I, I was trying to debate if this guy would get back to me. Reggie Bush at USC. Just word for word how I had it written down. Yeah. I mean, just the best. Like perfect like for kids in our like cheater, criminal, but whatever. Well, that's you know. Had to give away so, his husband, but like whatever. Sorry that they gave his family a house to live in. Sorry. <laughs> sorry that they put a roof over. I'm just kidding. Dad. Reggie Bush should get his husband's back to be We honest. could probably do a, a draft at some point of just like players or things that you'll tell your kids about. And like and maybe like even add on and they just won't be able to fully understand. Like just, I'm not sure that anyone could really understand what it was like to be up at 1230 at night and watch Reggie Bush against Fresno state. Like I, I, the Fresno state, when he ran that all ball, time, the, he ran it to the sideline, stopped, like switched the ball and then just jetted the other way. Kind of like invented the back juke. They put yeah. it in Madden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know he was not the first person to hit the brakes and have somebody kind of go by him, but like he kind of made it a thing. Yeah. He and it was, was in Madden the next year. So unbelievable watching him. Like, like you said, being up late night, like watching the UCL, UCLA, um, USC games. Like he, he had some sick runs in those games. I mean, it was just every time he got the ball, he was, and those teams are so much fun to watch too. So like the, the Bush push, you know, uh, the, the national I, championship I, game. Oh, Grew, grew up a Notre Dame fan, big Notre Dame household. Um, kind of hated him, but at the same time was just terrified of the guy. And I think you could make a strong case that he ruined my aunt's wedding with the Bush Bush. <laughs> I even I remember when he got when he got drafted by the Saints. They, he wanted to wear number five, and I think he asked the NFL to list him as a quarterback on the roster so he could wear the, the single digit, and they were like, no, we can't do that. The question becomes, if they let him wear five, does his career differently? I think that 100%, has to be asked. Yes, yes. A great question. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. I Hall also th- I think there's a strong case to be made that he's the reason that they shifted their number policy. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a leading front man on that. I, there was like, like there was a draft guide that I read that I got from Barnes and Noble the year he was getting drafted. Um, it was like a full you know three hundred page breakdown of all the prospects, and they described Reggie. I think I've maybe said this on the pod. We've talked about Reggie Bush. They described him as a as a Ferrari like running back shifting into gears, and that's literally what he was. He was like a sports car that would just shift, that could just shift gears on a he. I, it really is amazing. Like if you're under 20, you just have no idea who, probably who like Reggie Bush is as a dominant college player. Like he was just, I, it was just stunning as, as little B walks across the screen here, guys, no respect for what we're trying to do. Um, 
yeah, all of what you guys said was Reggie Bush was amazing. And those USD teams are amazing. And give the guys his highest respect. I actually think he's pretty good on TV now with Fox. He does a nice job. I agree. Yeah, I, I like him. And and he always, I mean, he got the kind of the, the bust label on him because he wasn't that running back that we thought he was going to be. But like he was, and obviously. Dated Kim Kardashian. Yeah, he was like one of the first. Like, yeah. Um, but he also like the, what doesn't he hold the record for? Like, doesn't he have like first like <laughs> the least amount of rushing yards in, in in a season or something like that with the most carries? He was one of the first like athletes. <laughs> I can't get off that. You just sorry, I just I'm just thinking about one of the first Kim Kardashian's we're moving, we're moving track on. record Thanks. before Reggie Bush. <laughs> All right, move on, move on. Uh, <laughs> one of the. Thanks. All right. Speaking of another ladies, man, I got to take Joe DiMaggio here. Um, mm, scumbag. Scumbag. Yeah. The there's some Clipper. bad, there's some bad Marilyn Monroe stuff in there. He was. I'm sure she was the same. Well, that movie's coming dunker. out. Joe, Dima- Joe DiMaggio kind of coming in back into the fork because that Marilyn Monroe movie that's like NC-17 is coming out on Netflix pretty soon here. Yeah, Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> 56 game hit streak. He's he's a dunker. Um, yeah, Joe, I mean, just a legend of the game. I don't know that he gets his name mentioned with some of the greats in the way that he probably should. Um, but it was quite an era of baseball there with the center fielders um, preceding Mickey Mantle and like like following Joe DiMaggio. You had the Mantle, Mays, Duke Snyder, all in New York City. Kind of an insane trio there but this picks joe dimaggio it's not about those three with the cal ripkin games played streak the 56 game hitting streak will never happen again mm. that, that was one of my picks in in best yeah streaks. that's yeah, just, like there's no shot anybody breaks that no just not the way the game's played guys aren't just aren't gonna do that so yeah he will always have that record 100 and with the wraparound pick i am going to take another retired number in the area i'm gonna take rod langway defenseman washington capitals doesn't really get talked as much because like there weren't really any cap fans back then um he uh one of the i don't know that we talked about it or mentioned it or if he got picked whenever we did a nicknames draft but secretary of defense is just an awesome awesome nickname to have for a defenseman for the washington capitals Mm -hmm. so big credit to him for that awesome mullet guy big time mustache guy um, he was, I think one of the last guys with the, with the grandfather rule with the, with wearing a helmet out there. Um, he's, and he's still very involved with the caps. Like he's like leads the way with a lot of their, like support the troops. Like, you know, they, they have moment every hockey game. And a lot of times he's there kind of giving out a Jersey to the soldier and family and all that stuff. Um, so I'm taking Rob Langway, all fame defenseman, retired number five. It's a good pick. RDT. Um, ba, 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 ba. I will take Darren McFadden at Arkansas. Mm. Just another mm. awesome, like so much fun to watch. Those Arkansas teams with him, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis. Like, and again, like Darren, Darren McFadden was one of those guys. This could this may be a draft uh, that we need to do. Like guys that I thought were going to be unstoppable in the NFL. Like he was, he was like the complete package running back. His arms were massive. He was so fast and he just looked like a monster. So, like, when I saw him, hmm? 
Did we do that, Traps? I don't know. We no. might have done that one. We did busts. I guess that's kind of kind of similar. Bus. Yeah. Um, but I was like convinced he was going to be a beast. Like I would trade for him in Madden. I, I would make sure I got him and all that stuff. He was just so much fun to watch. And and that's when Ar- like Arkansas had never been good. And then they were well, like in our lifetime. And then they were really, really good that with that year. And they were they're very fun to watch. And he turned out to be nothing great in the NFL, but at Arkansas, he was a beast. Guy I took a million times in fantasy drafts, hoping he would be good. That was my that was me with Felix Jones. I took him every draft, being like, no, this is the year the Cowboys get him involved. And then his hamstring that was made out of paper mache would just like fall off the bone on like the third carry of the year. Cowboys running backs for a good decade there or so were just the absolute focal point of fantasy football speculation. Mm-hmm. Mary yes. Barber. Yeah. Um, who do I want to go with here? I guess I have two picks. So I don't need to like run to get one of these guys. Um, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take, Yeah, I'm going to take Terry Labonte, NASCAR driver, Kellogg's car. <laughs> was he ever – how, how good was he on Rev It Up? Crank it up. Have Crank a little up. bit of respect. I, I talked <laughs> about this like 500 times. I, just, I, try to, you know, I try to remember it every time, and I can only get the – it should have been called Rev It Up. I'm like in my head now, I might be, call, might be calling it Rev It Up. Like he's said it wrong right. so many times that it feels it right now. It's the Berenstein Bears thing. You yeah. guys stink. You guys just absolutely stink. Brother, brother of Bobby. Bobber, right? Brother of Bobby Labonte. Um, Terry Labonte. I believe the 1996 or 5 NASCAR uh, Winston Cup Series champion. Sounds about right. Uh, the number 5 Kellogg's car. Absolutely iconic. Uh, I had some die cast of those. Die cast cars of him. So uh, I'm going to take Terry. I think I took in another number drive. I think I took Todd Bodine at one point. So I, I'm really repping NASCAR here. Um, so I'm going to take Terry. And then I'm going to take USA basketball, Kevin Durant with my, uh, with another mm. pick here. Uh, absolute Kevin Durant, very unlikable right now as an NBA player. Incredible for USA basketball. Unbelievable. Tremendous. Some would say for USA basketball guy, just balls to the red, white, and blue. So always get my respect for that. So I'm going to take Kevin Durant, USA basketball. He probably would have come after you if you didn't pick him. And like we tagged him in a post online. This is the word. This is I, there's probably a longer discussion for us to have about the Kevin Durant online persona. Sometimes I love what he does. And sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I have no issues with him, like defending himself. Sometimes it just feels like the tweets are like, dude, like just feels like weirdly petty for a guy that's like so accomplished and seems like a good dude. And what I just like, I, maybe you just get so much hate. I've never been in the position where you're just getting like all this Constantly shit talked about you him. all the time. So I can't even relate to him. So it's hard to like even judge him. Well, that's how it started with him and I, like five or six years ago, whenever we got into it. Yeah. Him and I, all I did was say, who's softer, Texas football or Kevin Durant? That's literally all it took, and he responded. Yeah. It's like, dude, you you just answered my question right there. Um, all right, this is this is me, right? I have two more, yep. or this, this is my last one, or two more? You have two more. You have two Alrighty. more. I am going Michael Crabtree, Texas Tech. Mm, had him on my board. Again guys who I thought were going to be unstoppable. 
I remember being at a Halloween party and watching that Texas Tech Texas game. Amazing game. We caught it, and then we're like, "Oh, he's gonna go out of bounds," and then like, "Nope, he just fucking planted and went up the sideline, and we went nuts." Uh, He was like, he was so much fun to watch, and I'll never forget. I had a bet with my buddy, who had um, oh, what was his name? Who was the wide receiver from um, uh, South Carolina? Um, Not Sidney Rice. Oh, what was it? He came out the same year, and my buddy. uh, Oh, it was Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon? Yes. Alshon Jeffrey. He said he thought he's he thought Alshon was better. I thought Michael Crabtree was better. And I bet him, I think we bet like a hundred bucks that that on our guy making it to the Hall of Fame. And neither of them obviously did. But I like I wanted Michael Crabtree to be Randy Moss like 2.0. He was just he was awesome. He was so much fun to watch. He and that was like right when Texas Tech kind of jumped back into like the the like they they became that like passing just academy that they always turn into. So he was always a lot of fun to watch, and that number five in the black and red looks so sweet. So, bang ship too. Good. Pick. I do have two. I do. Before I make my two picks, I just want to share a tweet that just left my left me a gas. Just one of those tweets that I'm just like, wow, the internet just. Oh, I, I I I think I know what it's gonna be. You do, yeah. I'll, Steelers. I'll just read it. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, are you ready for this? In, in case yes. Just have that. All right. This is a Steelers reporter. Uh, writes for the Trib Live. I think that's the Tribune or something mm-hmm. um, in Pittsburgh. And he also is with the affiliate, CBS affiliate there. Anyways, this guy, Chris Adamski, is verified. The tweet is, Mason Rudolph ended last season as the QB2. The only other quarterbacks the Steelers had retired and died. Rudolph nonetheless begins the next season as the quarterback three. <laughs> I mean, what can you even say about that? Spot the <laughs> lie, though. Don't let facts get in the way of your feelings, Taylor. He ain't wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's so disrespectful to Dwayne Haskins and his family. It's like, what? what is the point of that tweet? Is that like a tweet linking to an article about Mason Rudolph? No, no, no I tweet? think it's just, just – That's a- embarrassing. That dude's going to get dragged. Probably the first, the first response I saw was, please, please delete this. Yep. The second response is, man, tweeting something that happened is really offensive these days. <laughs> there, <laughs> there it is. There it is. How has this been up for 55 minutes? It's incredible. It's, it's really, it really remarkable. He, he hit him with a set it and forget it. It's like, I'll, I'll deal with it in the morning. I spent maybe 30 minutes today going through my camera roll just to um, just to tag all my SpongeBob memes and put them into one singular folder. So I'm going to go find a SpongeBob meme that I think applies to this live, and then I'm going to retweet it here. I'll try to figure out what the best one is. It's all you. Uh, anyways, my pick is Kevin Garnett, by the way. Big <laughs> Kevin Garnett. I can't believe you lasted this long. All-time legend, all-time guy, all-time personality. Uh, anything is possible. Okay, that was actually J.R. Smith, wasn't it? Anything no, is possible. No, that was him. That was him. That was him. It was him? Yeah. Any, yeah. No, anything was J.R., but anything was Kevin, wasn't it? I don't even know that J.R. Smith said something. I don't either. It was because it was a play on the Hennessy thing? Also, Anyways. anything is possible is Kevin, but – um, 
He was 21 with the Timberwolves. So this is Kevin Dargonat with the Celtics. Yeah. The one who joined a team with two other big guys and then said LeBron had to join a big three to beat them. So. (laughs) (laughs) Final pick. pick. I'm taking Kwame Brown. Michael Jordan's Jordan's best. I got to take Kwame Brown. One of the great Um, Stephen A. Smith clubs. Just. Two basketball greats I'm I'm taking here to fill out my roster. Uh both high school guys. Two two high school studs. Two two guys who, who never only one of them was degree. the number only one of them was the number one overall pick, and it wasn't Ke- Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett, Kwame Brown, Michael Scott. Just guys who don't just who needs a, a college degree. It's true. RDT. All right. I'm sticking with my college football, Pat White. You love Pat White. There might not I, I be really anybody that loves Pat I, White. I really do love Pat White. I, I really liked those West Virginia teams back then, even though like we weren't supposed to. I thought those teams were so much fun with, with him, uh, Noel Devine, Owen Schmidt, um, and then eventually Steve Slayton and all those guys. Like Pat White was, and I, I think I've said it on here before. I think if Pat White comes out now, if Pat White's in college right now, he's Kyler Murray. He's a lefty Kyler Murray. And he's like the number one pick in the draft. And instead he had to go. He was what, like a wide receiver with the Dolphins and got smoked that one time and got laid out. Um, I think he played baseball too. He definitely played baseball. But Pat White, he was just electric. Again, running with those those early West Virginia teams with McAfee on them too. They were they were just studs all around. They were just a bunch of insane athletes who probably didn't go to too many classes and probably partied way too much. But Pat White was a legend. Legend. In, back in the day, Pat White was really good. He uh, um, just destroyed Maryland. So yeah, he. I mean, he's um, he's filthy. Um, uh, what do I want to finish on? I have some college football ones here. Um. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. TV show. I'm going Vince Howard from Friday Night Lights. Michael B. Jordan's character, number five. I like that pick a lot. I'm taking him. That's a great that's show. A, He's great in the show. That's a good pick. Um, um, I was trying to find a lot of. I was like, oh, there'll be a lot of good sports movie ones. I just didn't find a lot. Maybe I'm just missing some. I love. That's my favorite show though. So I'm gonna get him. I thought there was gonna be a clear good Mighty Ducks number five. There is not one, which is very unfortunate. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, it's um, yeah. it's one of the twins from the first movie, and they don't have another number. Five. Yeah, for a minute um, I thought Robertson, but he's seven. Yeah, he's seven. Um, so I'm thinking Vince Howard. Love that show. I like that that's pick how, a lot. That's how I'm finishing off. Shout out to my guy Michael B. Stud. All right, Banks took Joe Flacco, Joe DiMaggio, Rod Langway, Kevin Garnett with the Celtics, and Kwame Brown. Uh, RDT is Brooks Robinson, um, USC Reggie Bush. Darren McFadden, Arkansas, uh, Michael Crabtree, Texas Tech, and Pat White. And I took Albert Pujols, DJ Strawberry, Terry Labonte, Kevin Durant with USA Basketball, and Vince Howard from Friday Night Lights. I didn't have a huge list here. Um, I had uh, DOB for Heisman, Danny O'Brien on my list. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I had yeah. I, I had Rakim Jarrett on my list. Was I it Maryland's Maryland, Danny O'Brien, or Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Or, or Catawba <laughs> College, uh, Danny O'Brien. 
Uh, I had Zinedine Zidane of headbutting fame uh, for France yeah. on my list. He wore five, I think, for a couple teams. I took Maryland baseball's Brandon Lau when he was in college. He wore number five. Um, and I had I shot I have two Maryland soccer shout outs to make Alex Mitzel, who's currently on our team, and Johannes Bergman. Back to back Germans have worn number five for Maryland soccer. So shout out to those guys. What do you guys have? I I thought that one one of you two were gonna go for the Marquise Brown pick. No, fuck that guy. I have that. I have the 15 jersey, and now he's five, and now he's off the team. So <laughs> I I like Hollywood, but fuck his number situation. I had uh, George Brett, one of the all-time shit your pants guys of all time. Um, Jason Kidd, uh, David oh, Wright, Kidd. Johnny Bench, Freddie Freeman with the Braves. I don't know mm-hmm. who still wears five. Uh, Donovan and McNabb, um, and Robert Ori. I had TCU with Dana and Tomlinson. I don't remember. Yeah, if I, I, said I, I had I had TCU mm. Tomlinson. Yeah, uh, Jeff Bagwell, five oh, gum. Yeah. Five gum is really good. <laughs> five gum had a run where it was a popular uh, gum. Now I feel yeah. like it's kind of falling off. They had those like those it's like still, sexual it commercials. It's very good packaging. It's very, very appealing packaging. It's, it's a good gum nowadays to get uh get at Costco and just have gum mm. just kind of oh yeah. In yeah, the holster, like, six, like somewhere 60 in the of house. them in the box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had Larry Johnson, Penn State. Just again, another mm. monster. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. that guy. I had Kwame yes. Brown, Steve Blake in the NBA. I think he was five on the Trailblazers. He was. It, I, he yeah. was. Yep. Um, I had Tomlinson, TCU, Kerry Collins. People forget. Kerry Collins. Uh, and then another, another, another college football, Manti Teo, Notre Dame. Free Manti. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's everyone right. apologize to Manti right now. My last college one, Juan Dixon wore number five in his redshirt freshman year. Oh, yeah. Dude, Boy, he twitched to three. A five Dixon jersey would be fire. Fire. That I wonder if there's I, any. I kind of disagree. <laughs> I think that would be sick. It's weird. There's We have like one picture of it. It's very bizarre to look at when he's known as three. Anybody else, gentlemen? There it is. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Richardson. Wow. Yeah, oh, true. Yeah. Did that actually well, click for you guys after a minute? Yeah, yeah that right. took a second. The, they'll never the number draft. We can always break glass and for, there's you know many numbers to go through. So people forget, you know, despite putting up 34 points in that Super Bowl, uh, Ravens Giants had the most punts of any Super Bowl ever. So shout out to Kyle Richardson. He had a busy night. Yeah, Ravens defense doing a lot of that scoring or helping yeah. shorten a lot special of scoring. teams. Yeah, special teams. Yeah. Uh, Nick Kindermedley, Maryland person of the week. Uh, I, I don't ever take this off the top, so I'll take it off the top. Um, I assume this will be co-signed. Uh, Francis Tiapo's run to the U.S. Open has been thrilling, and uh, he is from Maryland. Um, grew up right by College Park, um, Hyattsville, sort of like the Riverdale area that's right there is, I guess, where he initially grew up. Um played at the tennis center that is down there, like right by the college park airport. That is very low key, like one of the better tennis facilities in the United States. And just sits like a stone throw away from university of Maryland campus. And the story is very well told. His dad worked there um, and he and his twin brother played there and he became a very decorated junior and is now sort of emerging as um, one of the top American players. He's been very good for a few years, but this is now his major breakthrough beating it at all. And now, he beat um, Andre Rublev today, who Andre Rublev mental mental toughness was very much in question today. But um, he's an awesome guy. Also connected with Maryland football, um, 
Um, he and Mike Loxley have a, have a relationship, which is, which is pretty cool. And we on the university of Maryland socials have pretty much claimed him as our own, as a guy that supports us and is from the area. So very cool to watch him do that as a Maryland native and um, has a chance to be the first American man to win a major since who and when guys and in what tournament. This was the first dozen uh, uh, bonus. So question. I repeat up, the question, so. please. Last American man to win a Grand Slam. What? Who was it? When was it? And what uh, Grand Slam was it? Uh, Andy Roddick at the 2006 yep. U.S. Open, I think. Ah, uh, 2003 U.S. Open. 2006, 2003. He made the semis. He made the semis. He was the last American James man to make Blake the semis of the U.S. Open. Never made a semi, right? Never made a semi of, of a Grand Slam. Only lost in the quarters. And then Roddick was the last finalist for an American. He made the finals of the 09 Wimbledon when he went 16-14 with Fed in the fifth set. Probably should have won. Well, I mean, not probably should have won, but definitely had chances to win. Jeez. So, been a long, match. long time for the American men um, to really be anywhere close to winning anything. Isner's made a, Isner made a Wimbledon semi. Sam Curry made a Wimbledon semi, I believe. Um, but has been very few and far between. So, this is very exciting stuff. So shout out to shout out to big foe as they call him RDT. Um, I'm just going to give it to all of us for making it to football season. We're here. We don't have to deal with any of those countdown tweets anymore, but like, here's this Ravens player Jersey number X amount of days till, till football. We're just, we made it. Fantasy drafts are over. Like I said, at this time tomorrow, I got one tomorrow. What? Like middle of the day. Yeah. Kind of respect that. No, leave, leave you no time to get your guys hurt. Work fantasy. Don't tell the bean counters of Maryland. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hopefully <laughs> they're not listening. Yeah, we're all just sitting our desks on our computers. What else are we doing? Takes two seconds to make a pick. It's fine. Yes, it does. In theory, thanks. I was just going to take football, just football itself. Uh, it, obviously, NFL is right here on our doorstep, but uh, college football delivered in a big way this past weekend, as it typically does. Um, LSU FSU was amazing. Um, I took one of the worst beats of my life with the over-under in the Hawaii game the other night. Um, that was like a three minutes long of uh, Scott Van Pelt's bad beats. I don't know if you saw that one. Um, but there are just a handful of other games that really just – like last Thursday even, those games were, were awesome. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, football's king, football's here. Football is my Maryland man of the week. It's a good pick. Uh, one honorable oh. mention for me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And also, shout out to, to Maryland football for keeping everyone employed. So, yes, 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 very true. Very Child true. Well Terps. Terps head to Charlotte, um, in a, in a weird road game. Um, the Terps, can you guess what? streaming service Maryland is playing on this this Saturday. Oh, Paramount Plus. No. Not a bad guess though. Well, that would oh. be the CBS version. I, I would be stunned if you guys got this. The zone is not on college football. <laughs> um um is it like B- is BBC it a Plus Sling TV? They're playing on Stadium. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Uh, yeah, it's a classic uh, basketball exhibition streaming yeah. service. Like yeah. that one game Maryland puts in front of the schedule. Against it is free. Oh, yeah. So 
and I believe it's being broadcast on, I think someone, one of the networks picked it up, uh, like one of the over air channels. So uh, maybe in Baltimore. So I think there's going to be ways to watch it, but yes, I, I saw um, Triggs draws or whatever. He does that awesome graphic with all the TV listings. And I'm just like looking closely at this, trying to find, okay, like which shitty network did the Maryland game end up on? And I just couldn't find that game on his graphic. And I was like, <laughs> well, this is, this is probably our Raycom. Maryland opening the double season plus or ETN something. Stadium and then FS1 next Saturday against SMU. So, Ooh, okay. Um, that should be a good game, by the way. Night game against SMU is very good. Um, so, that should be a fun little swing game for the Terps. Um, Trying to get a sense of how good they were. They beat um, North Texas pretty good, but they, I was hoping to see them in the others receiving votes and they're not there yet. So, yeah. Um, one honorable mention for me. Maryland soccer torched uh, Virginia six to one on Monday, which is very fun and outy feeling. So shout out to my guys. Big rivalry game. Got a nice dub play Georgetown on Saturday. I will be there. Any honorable mentions for you guys? Uh, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's hair. Sure. We don't know. We might not talk enough about how much of a a glow up that man had. One of the all-time gloves. Maybe we do a glow up draft at some point. Mm. Be a good one. Maybe we go the opposite way too, where we, who, who really, who really fell apart. That could get, um, that, that could get tricky. That could get me. <laughs> that, that might not be things we want to put out publicly. Okay. That's fair. Um, I got we'll one more. Offline. I have like yeah, three that, that immediately popped one. ahead that I'm like, ah. It's a good <laughs> offline one. Amanda Bynes. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, <laughs> Taylor's, Taylor's, you're not, never mind. Matt Amanda Bynes, did I have something no, to say about no, Amanda No, there's uh, my no, number one I pick. know exactly what Eric's saying right now. Yeah. Oh, no, no, yes. no, no. <laughs> Hard. No, 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 Hard. no. We're not going to do that. Okay. We're not going to okay. do that. Just... At least not now. I, I It's 1132. I don't really want to get on like a 10-minute rant right now. <laughs> I'd rather complete the show. Okay. Okay. Um, but I now know where you're going and it's offensive and it hurts my feelings. So, <laughs> so I didn't know I, that. I didn't know that posting the truth would offend so many people. What did that, what okay. did that one, what did that one? Whatever it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what, who, who put that out? Whoever was talking Just about somebody that, responding that to that tweet. I read, uh, or was it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I might uh, go see her in concert. Can we say, let's move on. Any honor. <laughs> My my honorable mentions, um, the Jimmy's bus trip taking going down to uh, D.C. next week on Wednesday, the 14th. You can use uh, exit 52 as a promo code and get ten dollars off your ticket. If you want to go watch the Orioles uh, whoop up on the little brother and, you know, in their garbage stadium and hopefully paint the uh, paint the seats orange because it's always a, that's always a fun park to go down to and uh, assert your dominance. So, again, exit 52. Go on the Jimmy's website on their Twitter. Um, if you go to the tickets, ten dollars off with Exit Fifty Two is a promo code. So go use it. Did you guys see this shot from Alcaraz? Did you I guys see literally this? just watching it right now? Oh my God, this guy is very good. He is very. I mean, Sinner is very good too. These guys. I mean, the young guys are really coming to play here in the U.S. No, this shot is disgusting. The behind the back one, right? Behind the back. Oh well, my God, how do you? And that was like putting a good spot. 
Well, Sinner couldn't do a ton with it. He just had to kind of get it over the volley. Oh, so my quick. God, that's disgusting. PFT he, with the – did you see PFT's tweet? He got to the net so quick for that, too. That like, Sinner gross. should have put him away, but the shock factor on that is just – oh, my God. PFT says if Patrick Mahomes does this, everyone goes nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my good Lord in heaven. That's unbelievable. Yeah, wow. Like- what a note. Us talking about a tweet, a tennis tweet. What a, what a note to end the podcast on. But that is that the is tennis watched. has been so good this past week. Too. So good. The Serena stuff yeah. was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. There have been great fight. Curios is uh, tennis has been very fun. Diafo Nadal was awesome. Medvedev. Uh, I wish the U.S. Open didn't have to deal with football because if it was just I mean, I might have said this, if it was a little bit earlier, it just feels like it could pop off in such a more. But the crowds have been amazing at, mm-hmm. at Ash. It's been very fun to watch. I saw people Dennis that were doesn't like, get enough credit for being really fun to watch. It's the best. It's, when it's really good. dramatic and it's really fun to bet if you're into that kind of thing, because just a single point one way or another can swing odds so dramatically. Um, and there's just really good characters in the game right now, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Curios I mean, has been just awesome. is just, just incredible. Man. Just some goofing hitting that shot from the other side of the net. Um, yeah, and I, I keep watching this. I, I can't you guys. That. What a shot! Um, that's it for this week's episode of the X52 podcast. Like RDT said. Go Jimmy's bus, do that stuff. Jimmy's seafood, great supporter. Use the promo code. Um, jump onto that. Thanks to Thread Little Midnight and Fed Thrill as per usual. Football is back. We'll be back on Sunday with the in- first instant analysis show of the year. Yes, Mr. Banks. I have a caveat to share here. Um, best of three championship baseball series is ongoing, and I'm in a tough spot where a potential game three is on Sunday at three o'clock. We have one game one tomorrow, tomorrow being Thursday. We have the opportunity to close out the series in two, but there is a potential conflict. Will you be on the bump? I was on the bump last night. I threw six innings, was a winning pitcher. Um, Can I I make a critique of this league? How – is the title game possibly on the first Sunday of NFL in a men's league baseball? They, I, I don't know. It's, that is gross. It's disgusting. Just and play we plan next to do Tuesday. something about it tomorrow. So, yeah. Um, but with that said, if we find a way to not win tomorrow um, and we play on Sunday, I will probably be on the, on the shelf having already pitched in the bullpen, maybe see what I got something in me for the game itself, but we'll probably be tuned on my phone watching this football game if it comes to that and then we'll be doing instant analysis uh hopefully um if it comes to a sunday baseball game it is a championship win there and uh hopefully i don't fall off any decks yeah i was gonna say hopefully you don't kill yourself that would be yeah. preferable i'm shooting a thousand batting a thousand for doing that um <laughs> on nfl sundays instant analysis and championship baseball championships they just don't seem to mix but uh Win tomorrow. Win in two. And regardless of what game you're playing or what physical state you're in, there will be an instant analysis show on Sunday at yes, some point following this uh, football game. And those will continue throughout the year, no matter when the Ravens play day of the week. We will drop an instant analysis. Obviously, 
schedules and things. Maybe it'll be two of us, maybe all three of us, whatever it is, but we will get it done. And uh, so look out for that. And then we'll be back for the normal show next week. Follow us on all the social media channels. Say it every week. You know where to find us. Give us a five-star review on all of the platforms and we will see you now. Ooh. So I'm just saying subscribe. Season. Uh, oh, I thought it's time. Yeah, subscribe season. This is yeah. going into football. I thought you were season. about to dro- drop it to something else. Tell your friends we're getting things going. We're getting things cooking. Uh, yeah. I'm echoing everything you're saying. Instant analysis are coming. Content is coming. Tell your friends, share, subscribe, all those good things. Just like Taylor said, now's the time to do it. A perfect way to end it. We will see you next time on the exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's seafood.